This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with groups today from The David Feldman Show, The Young Turks, The Majority Report, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Bugle, Jim Hightower, and Blacking It Up. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode discusses the single greatest source of evil in the world, female genitalia. Are you a woman? Are you tired of having control over your own body? Is a painful, invasive procedure by total strangers in a cold, impersonal setting exactly what you've been looking for? Well, now, participating Walgreens drugstores in association with the Republican National Committee announced the grand opening of our new ultrasound-on-the-go clinic, Jiffy Badge. If you are a career gal who has committed unholy acts that are an affront to God, but don't want your state-mandated ultrasound to be an affront to your pocketbook, Jiffy Badge is the answer to your prayers if a promiscuous tramp like you ever bothered to pray. It's only a matter of time before all states require women seeking abortions to get an ultrasound. So why not do it at your neighborhood strip mall, where you can get all your shopping done and still have time to view a sonogram of the fetus you're planning to murder. But don't take our word for it. The violation of my uterus was so quick and easy, and I never thought I could become so permanently traumatized at so low a price. Whether you prefer the liquid gel method or the more rapey metallic insertion option, Jiffy Vag Clinics are there to service all the women's reproductive decisions that you, as a woman, don't deserve to have a say in. I was shamed and psychically scarred for life in a convenient location right next to Applebee's. Jiffy Badge. I haven't stopped sobbing since the procedure, but the parking was free with validation. So be sure to visit your neighborhood Jiffy Badge Clinic, where great savings begin at conception. known as NARAL, it is a pro-choice organization, did a one-year investigation into these um, so-called pregnancy crisis clinics. So we've talked about these clinics before. They are not uh, family planning clinics. They don't try to help women. What they try to do is fill these women with propaganda, make them feel guilty if they're seeking an abortion, and also try to convert them to Christianity. I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's what NARAL found. They found that most of these uh, pregnancy crisis clinics actually take in a significant amount of state and federal funding. Okay. At the same time, um, they are doing things that are illegal. First of all, uh, they lie to the women and they tell them complete uh, lies about abortion procedures. For instance, if you have an abortion, you'll never be you'll never be able to get pregnant again. Things like that that are complete and utter lies, right? And at the same time, there are no doctors there. There are no medical professionals there. Just a bunch of right wing people in white coats pretending to be doctors. No, think about the level of dishonesty there, because they're in white coats. There's not a single medical professional in the building. 
Okay, their their job is to try to convert you to Christianity. But the white coats are like, you see, we. If you weren't trying to be dishonest, why would we get dressed up like a doctor? It reminds me of the creeper guy who went door to door saying that he's a doctor who does breast exams. And all right. he did was have like a doctor's tote. Right. And pe people believed it, right? Right. So, look, all of these vulnerable, you know, desperate women go to these clinics and they're looking for help. They, they, they're probably very lost and they, they probably don't even know what to do, right? And they meet with these crazy right-wing individuals and one of the things that happens is a lot of times non-christians will go to these pregnancy crisis clinics and um, what the people will tell them there is oh you're not christian well you need to convert or you're gonna go to hell <laughs> because yes that's what a jewish woman needs as uh, she's going through one of the toughest times in her life is for some douchebag in a medical outfit uh, that is not a medical practitioner uh, to try to convince her to become a Christian instead. And they say, don't worry, if you convert, you could become a born-again virgin. Given that she's pregnant, that would seem difficult, but, you know, they have funny definitions of words over there. So these, um, you know, fake clinics are receiving funding, state funding, public funding, and at the same time, you're seeing a huge cut in funding to legitimate organizations like Planned Parenthood. This is what Republicans want. By the way, on another topic, ACORN, uh, trying to help people vote, one of the most democratic things in the world, trying to help poor people get representation if they got screwed over by their bank or whatever it might be. Uh, the Republicans went on a campaign to cut their funding. Of course, the Democrats, being the people that they are, uh, <laughs> went along and the ACORN's eliminated, right? Mm -hmm. You want to do public funding for people posing as doctors and trying to intimidate non-Christians into becoming Christians and trying to intimidate women uh, and giving them wrong medical advice while they're pregnant? No problem. We can get you public funding for that. Uh, and where's the Democratic fight back against this? Oh, I'm sure it's around the corner. I'm sure it's coming, and I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure they'll be successful. If you believe, then you can't relieve. My pastor says that that's the pact. A sign on the center says do not enter. You gotta keep that puppy intact. There's only one man I let inside. For him, my heart is open wide. I'm saving my high man for Jesus. And the boys away from down there for the big boy up above. I almost feel like we, you know, I, I mean, I guess I, I've run out of ways to describe it because it's so ludicrous that we've entered just this different parallel universe. I feel like, like it's one of those Star Trek episodes that they jump through a mirror and they're in like some weird place that's like sort of the same but completely different. I mean, we're really, you know, yesterday it wasn't just that Foster Freeze's ridiculous like 1950s Homek remark, you know, his pre 9/11 mentality as in 9/11 1901. Right. But, uh, but, but I mean, in the same day, you've got the the the, the state representative, I believe it was, imbecile um, Republican from New Hampshire, pointing out that birth control causes cancer, so women should avoid using it anyhow. You've got Daryl Issa holding his his. Wait a minute, are you talking about the woman from New Hampshire? I thought it was a man. Am I wrong? This one, what's her name? Potter. I'm the, maybe I'm Nutter, wrong. Nutter, Nutter, Nutter. Okay, no, no, no. Nutter. So was it yeah. was it a woman? Am I wrong? Yeah, but you got. She's not. <laughs> do we have the audio for this? Okay, here's the scene because you're you you don't even understand how crazy this is, Cliff. She is in a hearing, I guess, in New Hampshire. 
They're talking to, I guess, some type of uh, medical expert. The medical expert is so befuddled by what she what she claims here that he doesn't even know what the heck. Like, she is she is claiming that birth control pills cause prostate cancer in men. <laughs> okay, so here is uh, here is the uh, the exchange, and listen to the medical guy. He's got a look on his face like. Like you know, he, he obviously probably just had an aneurysm. He has to testify in front of these people, and there's no way that he can afford to say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard out of the <laughs> mouth of a sentient human being. Listen to this. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you for taking my question, um, This is a, about religion, the, the HR. But since you had mentioned um, um, birth control, um, as a man, would it interest you to know that Dr. Bernstein's uh, just published an article that um, links the pill to prostate cancer. In the children that are born from these women? Uh, you can borrow this if you buy She says, I don't know if you could hear it well, she says, would it interest you to know that a, uh, and she holds up a piece of paper, you know, Dr. Rothstein or whatever it is, says has linked uh, the contraceptive pill to prostate cancer in men? And the guy says, you mean in children born from women who've been taking the pill? Like he's trying to get his head around this. I don't what exactly the hell she's talking about. Yes, and, and she says no. And I what's guess. Her name, what's her name, Nutter? It's perfect, I, I guess, Nutter. I guess, I guess <laughs> the theory is that if a woman is taking birth control and a man engages in copulation with this woman, his prostate is in danger. Um, wow. Would it be possible he get pink eye too? <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to make sure all the possibilities here. Maybe we may have to cut that part out, Cliff. Uh, the uh, so, <laughs> you may have to cut that part. Out. I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. The Republican Debate Show audience has been everybody's favorite character in this amazing show this year. And last night, uh, we got the Republican Debate Show audience booing birth control. Since birth control is the latest hot topic, which candidate believes in birth control, and if not, why? 
Now, it's possible that the debate audience is booing contraception. Uh, it's possible also that the debate audience is booing the fact that there is a question about contraception that is being asked at the debate. And that seems to be how it was interpreted by the guy from CNN, uh, who was last night's debate moderator. As you can see, it's a, it's a, it's a very popular question. It's you a have. very popular question in the audience, as we can see. Look, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. CNN's John King saying we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Z saying that the candidates don't have to spend too much time on the issue of birth control. He'd be happy to move things right along. Let's get touch on this and get on to other things that won't get booed. But for all the audience booing um, and the characters on stage tut-tut-tutting at CNN for asking this birth control question, when given the chance to talk about birth control, boy howdy, did these guys have a lot to say. If you exclude the, the um, big voice announcer guy introducing the whole debate and you exclude, exclude the uh, commercial breaks, we counted today, there were a total of 89 minutes in this debate. Given the chance to talk about birth control, the candidates held forth on the subject of birth control for 13 and a half minutes. That means for roughly one out of every seven minutes in the grand finale in the debate last night, one out of every seven minutes, the candidates wanted to talk about contraception, specifically the evil and the immorality of contraception. As an OB doctor, I've dealt with birth control pills and uh, contraception for a long time. Sort of along the line of uh, the pills uh, creating the immorality, I don't see it that way. I think the immorality creates the problem of wanting to use the pills. Healthcare uh, insurance that would include birth control, sterilization, and the morning after pill. Unbelievable. That the public health department was prepared to give a waiver to Catholic hospitals about a morning after abortion pill. And that the governor's office issued explicit instructions saying that they believed it wasn't possible. When you were campaigning in Iowa, you told an evangelical blog, if elected, you will talk about what, quote, no president has talked about before, the dangers of contraception. Why? Uh, what I was talking about is we have a society. Charles Murray just wrote a book about this. And it's on the front page of the New York Times two days ago, which is the increasing number of children being born out of wedlock in America, teens who are sexually active. Rick Santorum citing the guy who wrote The Bell Curve, which is the book about black people being biologically inferior to white people when it comes to intelligence, citing that guy and his new book to make his case that if there were less birth control in America, if you take birth control away, there will be fewer pregnancies out of what... Well, I don't... It is, it is a conspiracy theory on the right. Um, right now that Democrats have brought up this contraception issue as a trap for the Republicans. Uh, this is what the Rush Limbaugh show is about every day now. Democrats are the ones who raised the issue of contraception. Democrats are the ones who've decided to politicize birth control to try to make Republicans look bad and to distract Republicans from their core message, which has absolutely nothing to do with this. Now, as a liberal, personally, would that Democrats were that Machiavellian? Or that they could make Republicans talk about things they don't want to talk about. But in this case, it really, really is Republicans bringing it up. I mean, the Obama White House decision on health insurance coverage for birth control, that came down in the middle of January. It sat there for weeks, unmolested by national politics, until Newt Gingrich started trying to make anti-birth control hay over that decision. He's the one who brought it up on the campaign trail, and thereby the national outcry erupted. Republicans are the ones who decided that inveighing against the accessibility of birth control, even inveighing against birth control itself as evil, was what they wanted to campaign on. You cannot blame liberals for this. I wish you could as a liberal. I wish you could, but you cannot. 
But it's not just the campaign against contraception. Uh, isn't, it, it isn't only happening on, on the Republican presidential campaign trail this year. Since Republicans won governorships and control of state legislatures across the country in 2010, frankly, it has been abortion and contraception palooza in the states when it comes to state policy. I mean, wherever Republicans are in control, these are the issues that they have prioritized. In the great state of Virginia, for example, in the 10 years before 2011, there were 19 votes over 10 years on abortion in the General Assembly. That's an average of less than two a year. After Republicans took control of the House in 2011, there were 34 votes on abortion in one year. 34 votes on abortion just in 2011. And Virginia represented a national trend, a flood of new anti-abortion restrictions in state legislatures across the country, and, and they're being passed. Uh, check this out. This is a chart of the number of anti-abortion bills enacted by states up through 2010. Then look what happens in 2011. Hello, look. A record number of anti-abortion bills enacted by the states last year after the Republicans had their huge year in the 2010 elections. 80 new abortion restrictions, courtesy of Republican state lawmakers. That's more than double the previous American record of 34. But here's the thing. What happens when you start having steamrolling legislative success like that is that I think it tends to make you cocky. Um, and sloppy. And so in Virginia, flush with their own power, Virginia Republicans proposed their own version of a forced ultrasound bill, like seven other states have enacted. But in Virginia, they are very excited about their own power and they overreach. They overreach almost literally. They mandate that their forced ultrasound must reach inside your body, the forced vaginal probe ultrasound, which gets everybody in the country's attention takes a couple of days, but it does get everybody's attention. And now Virginia Republicans are frankly in chaos. There was another day of protests outside the Capitol in Virginia today. Uh, this one decidedly not a silent protest like the one organized earlier this week outside the Capitol. There were also protests happening inside the building where a Senate committee was busy amending and passing both a forced ultrasound bill and a fertilized egg is a person bill that would ban all abortion in the state and likely hormonal birth control as well. This is the kind of chaos the sponsor of the personhood bill encountered as he tried to talk to reporters outside the committee meeting room. The lobby was full of people shouting uh, shame and, and chanting at him. At least one woman uh, had to be physically restrained um, by police while he was conducting this interview. And after all the drama surrounding today's hearings in the Senate on that bill, in the Virginia Senate, something really surprising happened. Virginia Senate Republicans decided to not take a vote on that personhood bill, that fertilized egg as a person bill. Uh, they decided to scuttle it, to not take a vote on it in the full Senate. They went along with a Democratic motion to send the bill back to committee, a move that means that the bill is dead for the rest of this year. So the personhood bill, dead in Virginia. The mandatory forced ultrasound bill, on the other hand, passed a Senate committee today and is moving forward, though there wasn't uh, a, a, a vote on it in the full Senate today. Now that the whole nation is sort of awake to the horror of state-ordered vaginal probing, which was in the original bill that Bob McDonnell had originally said he would sign, I wonder if it is sort of sinking in to Virginia Senate Republicans that state probing of any kind, vaginal or otherwise, is seen by Americans as legislators playing doctor. And as this resonates from a hearing room to a, to a state legislature, to a governor who really, really, really wants to be vice president, to the national stage, 
Republican political chaos on the issue of abortion and contraception and what they supposedly think of as limited government, Republican political chaos on this issue is spreading. Obamacare, which is the biggest issue in this race of government control of your lives. You inevitably move towards tyranny because the government has the power of force. There is a collision course in Republican politics right now. Bob McDonnell, after amending the forced vaginal ultrasound bill, uh, still wants to force doctors to do things to you, even if it's against their judgment and it's against your will, and he wants to make you pay for the privilege. That's the revised bill from Bob McDonnell. Not the forced vaginal ultrasound bill, but the forced ultrasound nonetheless, and you can pay for it. The state says so. You can tell your doctor to shut up, and you too. Take it. Across the country, while nobody in the Beltway media noticed until now, it has been the Republican agenda, both federally and at the state level, to have the government control this part of the practice of medicine. Telling you what to do, forcing you to do things you do not want done to your body, telling your doctor what to do, all because the government knows best. Medical judgment doesn't matter. Your will doesn't matter. The chaos in Virginia today is coming to the national stage. Because you can be the party that tries to scare people about a phantom government takeover of health care when you rant about what you call is Obamacare, right? You can be the party that rants about a phantom government takeover of health care. Or you could be the party that really is trying to take over health care. Women's health care, anyway. You can be one of those things or you can be the other. You cannot be both of those things. There's a great debate that's raging all across this mighty land. A battle over birth control that's getting out of hand So I have some examples that will help you understand That parenthood should absolutely not be planned Just suppose that Einstein's father used a condom, tell you what It could have been a big door to the future slamming shut Cause that sperm named Albert Einstein might not have made the cut and that's why I oppose Planned Parenthood now think of the Wright brothers of aviation fame imagine that their parents played the contraception game we'd still be taking boats to Europe and they would be to blame and that's why I oppose Planned Parenthood. Oh, please don't think that I'm intolerant. I genuinely love my neighbor. But I love my neighbor even more when my neighbor is in labor. Oh, the Catholics have strong beliefs they simply can't ignore you mention contraceptives and they tell you they abhor them. And if not for this rigid rule, there might be no Santorum. And that's... Just a moment, friends. I find that I've somehow changed my mind. Now I support Planned Parenthood. First, some good lady news. Ladies are still very much the democratic majority on earth. 51%, Andy, they've got us numerically outnumbered. That's a math fact. <laughs> Sadly, not all the other lady news is quite as good as that. Egypt lady news now! And 
Egypt is a country in transition, but they're going to have to decide what kind of country that they want to transist into, especially lady-wise. Do they want to be lady-friendly or not lady-friendly, Andy? Egypt is a country with a general attitude to the equality of the sexes, only slightly less ancient than their pointy buildings. In, in Egypt, only men are accepted as natural-born leaders, as they believe that only men possess the necessary talent to lead in the form of the entirely coincidental ownership of natural-born penises. And... <laughs> Let's be clear. It's not like either Britain or the US has a particularly stellar record in political equality. America itself has still not had a female president. It's like a key part of any presidential inauguration is still, please place your hand on the Bible and your penis on the podium. <laughs> Britain has only had one female prime minister, but we did have her for 11 years. Now, you might say, that doesn't seem that bad. Margaret Thitch Thatcher is so... Pretty and charismatic. You're thinking about Meryl Streep. <laughs> You're thinking about Meryl Streep there. Now, we also had uh, Tony well, Blair. Also, in real terms, John, Margaret Thatcher was an ox. <laughs> we, uh, the closest we, America ever came was uh, probably Calvin Coolidge on his Feminine Fridays, <laughs> but those have largely <laughs> faded from history now. Now, we also had Tony Blair for ten years, and you might think, well, how's that relevant? He's not a woman. Besides, he was so talented and seemed to be able to play whatever political part was required of him. You're thinking of Meryl Streep again. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking of Meryl Streep. That's your mistake. You're, you're right in saying that Britain and America are not uh, particularly good when it comes to uh, gender equality in politics. Uh, the UK has the 49th equal highest proportion of women in the lower house of parliament, level with Eritrea and Uzbekistan, whilst Ooh, America... Shit. It's oh, 71st equal. That's level with wow. Turkmenistan and 1% ahead of North Korea. So, Holy shit! Is that true? <laughs> yeah. So things are not going quite as well as they could have been in terms of wow. Mrs. Pankhurst not getting increasingly stroppy in her grave. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying all women should be MPs, John. But what I am saying is that 30% of all male MPs and male representatives in whatever America calls its lower house should be randomly <laughs> selected for sex change operations. <laughs> I think that would also weed out those who weren't fully committed to their political beliefs rather than personal aggrandizement. <laughs> but that's, that's not the point when it comes to Egypt. The point is that the promise of a new free Egypt post-revolution does not seem to be getting extended to women, despite the role that they played in the revolution itself. Even at the height of the protest in Tahrir Square last year, when women bravely bucked the conventions of society and turned up to join the demonstrations, some men yelled at them, Go back home and feed your babies! To which the natural human response is, off and don't be such an <laughs> asshole. But sadly, in some societies, women aren't allowed the joys of using such elegantly crafted comebacks as those. <laughs> in the new Egyptian parliament, there are only nine women MPs out of some 508 seats. That sounds pretty bad, but it sounds even worse when you find out that under Mubarak, there was a legal quota of at least 64 women MPs, or 12% of Parliament. You really don't want to be less good at something than a man who was just hounded from office and is on trial for human rights abuses. That just does not look good. And it's true in uh, some of the other um, Arab Spring states as well. Tunisia, traditionally very liberal when it came to women's rights, um, has elected a, an Islamist government, a moderate Islamist government, but uh, a lawyer and activist in the Tunisian Association of Democratic Women, Saida Garak, says that she has never been so worried about women's freedoms as she is now. Uh, in Libya, 
A senior lecturer in Middle East politics from the University of London said, I think where the Islamic laws will eventually bite is in the rights of women. They've already declared in Libya that polygamy rules will be relaxed. And who knows where that is going to go. John, this does not sound like quite the utopian mm. revolution. That's mm-hmm. We all got so excited about in our armchairs here in the West after you know, <laughs> trying so hard to create the conditions where you know an appalling leader like Ben Ali could be... Uh, overthrown by tacitly keeping him in power for 25 years so that he became so complacent and therefore unprepared for the yeah. homegrown revolution that we indirectly helped to create by not doing anything. Oh, God, we're, we're such long-term strategists. <laughs> I know. We're all, always thinking 400 steps ahead. Yeah, it's like chess. We're like Gary Kasparov, but more so. <laughs> part, of, part of women's problems in Egypt seems like it might be women themselves. Last year's parliamentary election suggested that Egyptian women simply don't vote for women. So are women their own worst enemies, Andy? No, men are. <laughs> men are women's worst enemies. But women might be their second worst enemies. No, sorry, wrong again. That's alligators. <laughs> alligators are their second worst enemies. But women are their third worst enemies, Andy. That's the point. <laughs> and Gaddafi, he certainly had his flaws as a leader. Yep. He had a lot of flaws. I mean, he was the Empire State Building of leaders in a man- Manhattan of despotic dickwads. But <laughs> by... S- oh, Andy, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you don't just breeze over a sentence like oh, that. Okay. You stop and enjoy it. That's, you've just served up a linguistic dish of excellence there. Don't wolf it down and then take a swig of Coca-Cola. <laughs> but he was, by some standards, something of a feminist. We're not... <laughs> Not, whoa, not, whoa, whoa, whoa. not by whoa, all whoa. standards. Andy, back that up. <laughs> back that up by one standard. Well, I mean, he had a Ukrainian nurse. He had, you know, he he lo- he, he, he he used positive discrimination in choosing his bodyguards. Uh huh. Okay. I mean, he's not right. quite the Libyan Mrs. Pankhurst. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I actually know. I mean, I mean, he doesn't have a, he, he doesn't really have many legs to to rot on currently. But um. <laughs> Well, John, this raises uh, another issue, the fact that there are only nine women in a 508-strong Egyptian parliament. Um, you know, if if women want equal prize money at Wimbledon, then they should have the same number <laughs> of MPs in the Egyptian parliament. <laughs> I can't help thinking that the Wimbledon women's champions only get nine 508ths of what the uh-huh. men's champion gets, yep. if that's all they're going to contribute. Well, I think, that's, I think you might want to run for chairman of the All England <laughs> Tennis Club, I think. <laughs> Well, technically, of course, it'd be nine four hundred ninety-ninths if you're doing it that way. But anyway, okay, all right. You've made your fucking point, Andy. <laughs> well, so the average male smoker gets through fourteen cigarettes a day. Women only smoke thirteen. <laughs> women should smoke more, John. Mm, Do you know that? Yep. This equality has to apply across the board. <laughs> uh, political. Thank power. you, Billie Jean King. You've, you've opened <laughs> this can of worms. Political power in Egypt, as you mentioned, Andy, has shifted into the hands of the Islamists. The uh, Muslim Brotherhood and the ultra-conservative Salafis control more than 70% of the seats in Parliament, and a prospect that worries women who are seeking equality on social matters such as education and divorce. Uh, the ultra-conservative Salafis have said that they're more than happy to grant women divorce, uh, but rather than the right to divorce their husbands, the Salafis will be divorcing women from their rights instead, <laughs> citing irreconcilable differences between the two. Uh, Egypt is in a real mess at the moment. It's in a l- high-grade pickle. Tourism has slumped. Uh, local authorities cannot even pay for rubbish collection. And the country is currently literally festering in a pile of shit. <laughs> Dumps of garbage are being left alongside the sides of uh, roads. And in one Cairo suburb, piled up 
into 10 metre, 32 feet high mountains of filth. Those Egyptians, Andy, even in the worst of times, they can't help but stack things into massive pyramids. <laughs> also, you have to think, John, I mean, I don't know a lot about sphinxes, but when they dump, they really dump. <laughs> it's good luck shoveling that out and using it as mulch. Uh, one Egyptian woman said, The problem facing women here is very grave. Politics is controlled by male muscles. And not just male muscles, Andy, but increasingly ludicrously juiced up muscles <laughs> covered in a Jerseyan amount of spray tan. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently-owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Attention, ladies. Big news on the state legislative front. Republican lawmakers in Arizona and Wisconsin want to help you improve your lives. Or else. In Wisconsin, Senator Glenn Grothman wants to give single moms an incentive to get married. Actually, it's a rather negative incentive, for his bill declares that being an unmarried mother constitutes, quote, child abuse and neglect. Interestingly, Glenn has never been married nor raised any children. But he says his bill is necessary to counter those diabolical liberals who, quote, want children born out of wedlock because they are far more likely to be dependent on the government. Thanks for that insight, Glenn. Now, on to Arizona, where the GOP-controlled legislature intends to help any and all employers protect the moral purity of their female workers, married or not. How? by letting them deny insurance coverage for birth control pills if the women intend to use the pills for, well, birth control. Ladies will not get the cost of their contraceptives covered unless they submit proof from their doctors that the pills are necessary to treat a medical condition, not just for having non-procreative sex. And, to add some puritanical oomph to the law, it also eases the way for the state's employers to fire any woman who uses contraceptives to, yes, avoid conception. If that's not perverse enough for you, try this. Representative Debbie Lesko, the sponsor of Arizona's assault on a woman's freedom, privacy, and dignity, says that the law is necessary to protect, quote, our First Amendment rights and freedom of religion. She means the right and freedom of a boss to violate the rights and freedom of women workers over something as purely personal as their sex lives. This is Jim Hightower saying, to keep up with this insanity, go to now.org, N-O-W.org.
Did you know? I don't want to know. Mothers like your own. What? No, I don't want to know anything about my mom. Are destroying America. Oh, well, I knew that already because she had me and it was out of wedlock. So, you know, mm-hmm. she, she just destroys everything. Because apparently, I don't know if you knew this, uh, uh, having children out of wedlock, we are, in fact, what's eroding the, uh, the, the moral fiber of America. I know you guys hear me to on the be radio. that, single moms are breeding more criminals. Well. According I mean, to Rick Santorum. Yeah, well, I mean, is, I guess, I guess I am. And I, threatening to destroy America from within. Am I, I'm constantly stealing. I mean, I know you guys think I'm podcasting right now, but I'm, I'm actually plugged into the, uh, the light post outside the house. Uh, so I'm stealing power to broadcast the show. You guys didn't know that. You guys didn't know that. I have a sick 150 foot. Uh, electric cord that goes to the, uh, to the, to the, to the light pole so outside. So you're stealing, I'm stealing from power. Ed? Right. And then my internet is paid with welfare checks. So yay. You know, good for, good, good for Rick Santorum speaking up about this horrible, horrible problem. Someone has to speak up, Eljoy. We can't said, let this continue. Most people agree a continuation of the current welfare system will be the ruination of this country. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Well, long as he, as long as he knows, we are seeing it. We are seeing the fabric of this country fall apart, and it's fallen apart because of single moms. My mom and my dad were dating when they had me, and then they broke up in the middle because I wasn't enough of a criminal in my early stages <laughs> of development. So she thought, you know what? We got. We can't do this. I need my son to be a criminal. And look at me now. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously. I mean, Aaron. You see me and Aaron. We are constantly stealing things. That's all, all, all the time. We just like, we just like roll up on people and be like, give me your stuff! And then we like, I mean like that story Aaron told earlier about someone trying to pick up, that was actually, he, he was actually pick, trying to pick his pocket someone else. Aaron didn't want to admit it on no, air. I was trying to pick my pocket and then I saw I had a PSP Vita and I said, hey, let me see that Vita for a second. We bought that for a second. Then bought it. Then we bought it. Let me see that for a second. It was cool, man. You just got that. Then bought it. Then bought it. So. So because the threat is single moms <laughs> and their criminal children. Right. Um. The GOP in Wisconsin has decided they want to try to pass a bill that would classify non-marital parenthood as a cause of child abuse. This is psychotic. What is so that about? So if you're a single mother, it can be used as uh, evidence of neglect and child abuse. I mean, that's reasonable. So they can just take your child away after you're a single mother long enough. Well, I don't, the I don't bill know if automatically includes single and coupled gays and lesbians. Plus any single person, regardless of orientation. So what? Okay, so you're guilty of abuse. Then what? What has to? What? What's your punishment? Like you abuse that child. Then what? Am I going to go to prison? Are you going to take the child away? What's that? What? 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 What does this do besides be annoying? They don't know. They didn't think that. They didn't think that. They just wanted to. They just wanted to be able to say you're abusing your child. Yeah. I hate people so much, Eljoy. I don't. <sighs> You know what? Again, I say I've said this before. I say it again. Kudos to the Republican Party. They are. I mean, this is crazy. And they they have a, they have a mission, and they are sticking to that mission, and they are doing things no matter how stupid or idiotic it sounds, no matter what how ridiculous and how embarrassing it is for them, no matter how how much they are alienating complete groups of people that who will never ever be a part of this party because they are so ridiculous. No matter none of that matters. They're like we are going to stick to this, and we are going to alienate, and we're going to. 
Yeah. And if you, you don't like it, you know what I'm going to do? We're going to make sure that people, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's suppress some votes. Let's get some, let's some votes. Let's suppress some votes. Let's suppress some votes up in here. Let's, let's make sure that, like, we, we can do this and then we're gonna, when you want to vote against us, we're gonna make it harder for you to do so. Con- congrats. This is smart. Well, at least they're throwing money behind it. I mean, they, they, in passing this bill, they, they want, there's a, the board, what is it, Department of Children and Family Services in, um, in the state. Um, that as they are disseminating information and um, doing community-based education, they want them, uh, they want the board to communicate how single parenthood is a contributing factor to child abuse and neglect. Mm-hmm. So they want to do um, promotion campaigns um, to, to, to that factor. And I'm assuming, based upon the language of the bill, because I'm reading the actual language of the bill, it will be that if you do have a case that comes before Child Protective Services, one of the things they will evaluate is whether or not you're in a single parent household or not. Well, thank God. I'd like to know at what point will they just like if you're a, if you're a child of a single parent will they just classify you as a felon at what age four or five will you just instantly just be a automatically felon? automatically be a felon a like, yeah, like as soon as you get your first identification card it'll just say you're a felon on it oh and so it'll be a checkbox yeah like, are, do you ha- are do you have a mother and father that are currently married in the same household. Yeah, and, then and if be you like check you say, no, no, then, then you your status when you get your felon. ID it says eyes brown six three felon, and then you can't vote. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hate all of you. This is this is, this is ridiculous. They they should be. I'm I'm done. I'm done. You sure? I I, I got more to break you. No, I don't want any more. I'm we, breaking everybody. Can we? Uh, you know what we need? You know what you need, Aaron. I feel you, you'll understand this more than Eldroy. What? We need, uh, Dwayne Johnson. We need The Rock? We need The Rock. Uh, I believe we need The Rock to go back and go around and rock bottom people for being this stupid. No, 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 I need, I need The Rock. Doesn't he call it boots to. No, 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 that was. Asses. Can I say that? You can say ass, but no, that's not, that's not I don't, that's not what he, he may, says. he may have said the term, but that's it was what he just. Says. I think he has t-shirts. I need, I need, I need him to go around. I need to send Dwayne Johnson into places and he just walks over and like, he's like, who, who's the one who did this, this stupid bill? He's like, actually, that's, that's me, Mr. Johnson. I'm a big fan of you. And then he just takes him and just rock bottoms <laughs> him right there. And then when they all lay down on the floor, he gives him the people elbow and then boom, we're done. <laughs> You realize nothing I need, happened. I need Dwayne Johnson here. He is Teflon. He could do that to people, and no one would object. Like, oh, yeah, Senator must have done something wrong to the rock. I don't know what he did. See, to I have two different things. Dwayne Johnson wears suits and plays in bad movies. Uh, the Rock, on the other hand, is the person that rock bottoms and gives the people. I up. listen. I, I I look at them as the same person, and I and I feel like we are in need of some rock bottoming. I, I I I need the people's elbow. Remember, it's called the people's elbow. It's I remember. It's virtually it's like Occupy, Occupy approved. <laughs> it's Occupy approved. It's the people's elbow. Come on, <laughs> send the people's elbow in, and he, and he can he can elbow check it was people before the people's mic. <laughs> Or the people's mic. We have the, <laughs> the people's, people's elbow. elbow. And the people's elbow, listen. Strong sometimes, arming. Strong arming people across America. Sometimes you need someone to be rock bottom. Because people are, I, I feel like they think they can get away with it, so they keep doing it. They don't understand that they should have some fear in their heart. And if we had the rock working for us. There was a movie um, called uh, Walking Tall where he just defended people that got knocked around by people they couldn't defeat. He did a two by four. He was the sheriff of the town. But he didn't have a gun. He was unofficial sheriff of the town. He didn't have a gun. He just knocked people around. Nice. There you go. Oh, if we can get like, I, actually, I would, I would hire two people. I would hire, I would hire Dwayne Johnson, or uh, AKA The Rock, uh, and uh, Terry Crews. 
Terry Crews. Office linebacker. <laughs> Tackle people. <laughs> I need I need Terry Crews often li- office linebacker, and uh, I need The Rock, and I will clean up America. Republicans will <laughs> Republicans will calm the hell down if they think that when they like imagine if they were saying some crazy stuff about contraception and all of a sudden uh, uh Terry Crews just literally like uh is perpendicular to the ground and just hits them in midair and <laughs> takes them down and he just stands over them like you will let a woman have the right to choose and then uh, and then go about his day I would That's that would valid. be amazing whoa. <laughs> Whoa! Just yelling all the time, yeah. And then other people, I, I send the rock, and he goes, and he he uh he, he gives up the people elbow. That right bottom. That would mean that we're likely to have. Uh, I'm sorry, I said Terry Crews. It's Terry Tate. I'm sorry. Y'all right. Okay, what what do you think is the best thing, the thing about the show that is best and most appealing to to somebody who listens or watches? Um, let's see. You see, I would have to think about that. <laughs> is, this, is this the that hard of a question? Is it that is. What? It is a hard question. It's like, what is the meaning of life? You can't just uh, you can't just throw something out there. All right. Well, you know what? None of us know what the, what what's good about this show. What None we know is have... we have a show. We know the show exists. Pretty much. Well, if that doesn't make you curious. I don't know what will. Check out the David Pakman show at davidpakman.com. We talked about Liz Trotta last week. She is a Fox News pundit, and she was talking about how women are now uh, given more opportunities in the military to have combat positions. And, you know, she's, of course, against this. She hates feminists. She hates women. She hates herself. Uh, so <laughs> as, as a result, uh, she got a lot of criticism for what she said about women, right? She said, well, yeah, of course women are being sexually assaulted in the military. Duh. What did they expect? Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, she's deciding that it's a good idea to double down on what she said previously. Let's watch. The political correctness infecting the Pentagon has resulted in silly and dishonest fairy tales about female her- heroism. Has anyone forgotten the Jessica Lynch story, a PFC captured by the Iraqis and by all accounts, including her own, not mistreated? Yet the Pentagon saw fit to send in the SEALs to rescue her from a hospital. In a videotaped operation that seemed headed straight to Hollywood. There are countless other stories of fake heroism or exaggerated prowess in which women are the stars, many of them tailored for the New York Times and its agenda to promote militant feminism, no matter what the truth. I don't understand why she hates women so much. She must have a penis. (laughs) <laughs> like, honestly, like, ah, these females in the military and their stories of heroism. Yeah, no, uh, women have, throughout all this, never been brave in the military. Never? Uh, no, it's never happened. Uh, and any time that uh, you have a story like that, it must have been fabricated by militant feminism. Because, you know, militant feminists run the Pentagon. It's a well-known fact, right? And by the way, Jessica Lynch, ha- first of all, how is that a story of female heroism the Pentagon, everybody says she was captured, we went to go rescue her. She's not the hero in that story. And Jessica Lynch will be the first person to tell you that. Right. She was bothered by a lot of the propaganda around that. The right? problem is the bureaucracy in our, our military. You know, the bureaucracy is there because we need to save women in the military. It would just be easier if we didn't allow women in the military, we didn't have the bureaucracy, we wouldn't need to save anyone. No, absolutely right. And furthermore, I know if 
any administration was militant feminist, it was a Bush Cheney administration. Uh, under which we had the Iraq war and the Jessica Lynch rescue and all the things that she's mentioning here. Because I'll tell you what, man, if you ask Dick Cheney, his number one concern was how do I help militant feminists? So Liz Trotta continues. We have one more video for you guys. Let's watch. The military is not a social services operation or a testing ground for gender wars. It is a fighting machine. Yet male troops are now encumbered with the realities of feminist biology. Women are not as strong as men. Their instincts and reactions in crisis are markedly different. It is a reality the left will not face. Biology is destiny. So part of that I agree with. Women are not as strong as men. There's nothing wrong with that argument. But making women seem like they're only good for making sandwiches in the kitchen is ridiculous. If you have that kind of mentality, then I don't want to hear your political opinions. Get, get your ass back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. <laughs> no, it's a well-known fact that uh, women are not cut out to be pundits on Fox News. <laughs> it's just, it's, hey, look, biology is destiny, okay? So just get used to it. Now, look, we talked about this the last time we did a Liz Trotta story. She is, enjoys the fruits of feminist labor while she spits at feminist eyes. And, uh, and, and she's paid, she's an Uncle Tom of women. She's paid by Fox News to be a woman who hates other women, right? And, and to, you know, fight against women's rights, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, I, to be fair, though, I, I do believe that, of course, there is a difference of biology between men and women, and of mm -hmm. course, uh, you know, men run faster on average, on average, yada, 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 right? Uh, so it's not to deny that. It's to say, okay, now recognizing that there's still a role that women can play uh, in our military. She doesn't it doesn't mean wanna... that they have to be Navy SEALs, and it doesn't mean that we have to lower SEAL Team 6's standards to make sure that women can pass the physical bar for that. No, not a, it doesn't mean any of that. It just means that there are many roles within the military. Why can't a woman be an intelligence officer? Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing about Liz Trotta that gets under my skin. I'm not denying that men are biologically stronger than women either, right? But she doesn't even want to recognize the roles that women would be great in in the military, right? Mm -hmm. Because she feels like, I don't, I don't know if she feels like some weird sense of guilt that women are now, you know, part of the military in a much more significant way. I don't know what her issue is, right? It, it, I mean, the best example is the military in Israel, and that's what we talked about last time. Are, would you say the military in Israel is weak? Is that what Liz Trotta is saying? I guess so. I guess she hates Israel. I, I agree with her that women are not physically as strong as men, and that's why we no longer arm our soldiers with clubs. We use M16s and Trident-class submarines and Abrams tanks and F-22s. And the bullet fired from a gun that a woman's holding hits just as hard as a bullet fired from a gun that a man is holding. I think this is a ridiculous argument. We use technology to get around limitations of human strength for women as well as men. Irola for the win. Uh, by the way, if you're on a nuclear sub, here's what you have to do to launch the nukes. Okay. I think anybody can do that. Of no, course. no, no, only men there's are a, qualified. Sorry. There's a whole process, but in the end, you push a button. I read a story of a woman who has eaten nothing but pizza since 1980, I believe. I saw that story. I didn't believe it, so I didn't read it. Yeah. But. Now, there's a, I think that there's a good chance it's true. You know why? Because there's 300 million people in the country, right? They, they, so you're going to find people who do the craziest things, right? Because it's such a broad range of people. So what Fox News does is they find the crazy people 
that are the equivalent of the lady who only eats pizza, mm -hmm. right? And then they put them on air for their own purpose. Right. So how many black guys are there in the country who hate all other black guys and thinks Republicans are right about everything? There's like seven. Four of them are on Fox News. How many gay guys are in the country who thinks that gays should have no rights? Like three. Two of them are on Fox News. Right. right? No, How many women like you know exist that hate all other women who should have no rights and they should not in the military? Like maybe Liz Trotta is it, and so she works on Fox News. You're totally right about that, and they treat those so-called pundits as like representative of what the population is really like, right? So people watch television and they think like, yeah, militant feminists—they're taking over. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's what uh, Roger Ailes hired Liz Trotta to say. Hey everyone, so I'm going to do something really rare and introduce the following clip, and it's because I, th I think that it is uh, it fits so amazingly well with the ongoing conversation that's been happening in the voicemails and and my final comment section of the show over the past several weeks that that I really want to comment on it before as well as after you hear it. So over the past few weeks, the uh, you know this show, as I as I just said in the in the comments and voicemail section, has has tackled sort of the the trifecta of privilege in America. First, there was white privilege concerning uh, diet choices. That was uh, started by a voicemail that, that started that conversation. And then there was uh, straight privilege in dealing with uh, communication between the LGBT community and LGBT allies. And we got into a nuanced discussion about that. Uh, and that was started just by a conversation that I had with a friend of mine that I decided to, to talk about on the show. And then, uh, and then male privilege in talking about uh, women in the media as well as sexism in comedy. And uh, that I also brought up as just as sort of an idea I had. And, and, uh, and, and then, of course, the, the voicemail started the uh, sexism and comedy conversation. And all of these discussions, I, I, I found them interesting and wanted to talk about them literally because I thought like, oh, this sounds really complicated and difficult. Let's talk about it. You know, I, I, just because I thought it would be fun. And, um, and, and but especially because... I thought that I had something to learn about all the all of those subjects, and of course, because I am a member of the privileged trifecta as a straight white male, uh, you know, th these were all things that I was eager to improve my uh, consciousness level on uh, on all of these topics. So, so that's been going on for a few weeks now, and in the previous episode of the show, I gave just a little primer to. To this discussion right now that you're listening to, and, and, and I, I said that although it's been really good over the past few weeks to be uh, having these discussions, it's also been difficult. And you know, so I've I've talked for whatever ten or fifteen minutes on any given episode about this, but in the meantime, I'm listening to voicemails and reading emails and having discussions with friends and and uh, you know being told I'm wrong or being told that. The perspective I've had my whole life is misguided and, and it's, it's difficult. Like it's not easy to dive into these sort of subjects, especially, essentially all three at once. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it's definitely been frustrating at times. So as it's part of all this, you know, I've been trying to listen to, to new podcasts that people have suggested with, with different perspectives. And, uh, and, and so my, my frustration and, uh, and, and all of that kind of came to a head while listening to a feminist podcast that will remain unnamed for this discussion. And basically, 
I wanted, you know, I thought that it was going to be a good show. I thought it would have great insights. And, and basically I heard it as sort of like condescending and unwelcoming. Like as a straight white male, I felt unwelcome in the conversation that these women were having about feminist issues. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I felt like, I was under attack basically and uh and you know they were making broad statements about you know how men act and I felt that they weren't describing me well but that I was being kind of like bundled in with all stupid men who uh you know who don't know what they're uh talking about and a lot of their opinions came across like if you don't already agree with us or understand our perspective, then you're kind of a moron and we're basically going to laugh at you. And so, so it's just a really, really uncomfortable experience to, to go through that. And l for the first time in my life, I literally had this feeling like I, I told a couple of friends as a joke. Um, but, but you know, many a truth told in jest, I said, uh, you know, I think this show I'm listening to, I think it's turning me into a misogynist. Like I'm getting really frustrated with these uh, with these women, and I, I'm for the first time ever, I sort of am feeling that conservative lizard brain reaction to feminists because I feel so under attack that my instincts are kicking in to like lash lash out and and fight back, and I was like, Man, I gotta I, like I gotta stop listening to this show. This is this is not good for my health, and so. I was really genuinely frustrated about this uh, experience for a couple of days, and uh, you know I, I didn't quite know what it meant. I didn't know if they were right and my maleness was just blinding me to the to how right they were and and how wrong I was, and uh, and I, I didn't I didn't know what to to do with that really. So I'll go ahead and and skip to the end of that portion of this story and say that I still think that that show you know that feminist show is not done well and that the people are not welcoming they do not create a you know a welcoming environment for uh for their listeners who do not already agree uh you know in in, in lockstep with their opinions but the point of me telling you this story is is to get to that point of where i was feeling really genuinely frustrated and then i heard the clip that you're about to hear that i'm about to play and and this comes from blacking it up which is, you know, another show that was suggested by a listener to give the black perspective on, on politics. And this show is the exact opposite of, of that feminist show. It, it, uh, like they actually, you know, outwardly take pride in how welcoming they are of, of, of anyone who would want to come and, and check out their show. And, uh, rightly so. Blacking It Up has literally become one of my favorite shows and I've been listening to it for a much less time than almost anything else I, I listen to regularly. So obviously I highly recommend that if you haven't already subscribed. And in the meantime, now that you have the context for this clip in terms of understanding my weeks of frustration of, of doing the hard slog of trying to confront privilege head on, uh, I, I want you to hear this and see if you react in the same way I did, which was to feel like I had stepped into a support group meeting. Uh, yeah, I believe privilege is a very interesting uh, discussion to have because sometimes and – I, and I realize that part of it is sometimes very frustrating because it sometimes – acknowledging privilege sometimes shatters the perception of the person that you thought that you were. 
And that becomes problematic. When you believe your, if you, when you see yourself within a certain light, when you see yourself within like this, in this particular way, and then all of a sudden someone points out the privileges that you've had, and all of a sudden you have to acknowledge that, it changes you. And and all of a sudden it makes you wonder, like, it, when, when, when we challenge the definition or the viewpoint we have of, uh, people have of themselves, that is when they will thrash the hardest. When they just go, no, no. That's not true, no. And I understand it's very much so as a dude. It's challenging your, yeah, it's challenging your core belief. Yeah, as a dude, people have challenged me on male privilege, and I've had, and there, there was sometimes I had, I had the reaction. I had, and when I, and I had like a violent reaction, not violent like uh, physically, but like a violent like no, how no, how dare you? That is that no, and it becomes problematic. It's hard to just sometimes stop and go. All right, well, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing it. Maybe maybe you're just acknowledging something that I don't see, and there's something that I'm benefiting from that I don't exactly acknowledge, which is in fact privilege. And to have that conversation, it's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I said, as someone who's actually had this conversation, I've been checked on various things in the past, and I and and, and I I'm I mean now I seem like I'm, I'm for the most part reasonable, but there were various times where I kicked back, and then it took it took like a week of me sitting with my own thoughts and reading on it to go crap. That was me. That was me. I, crap. I, I, I totally was, uh, was, uh, was, uh, what's my, uh, be benefited by that. There's, there's certain phrases or terms I've used in the past that, like, I've literally had to check myself. I was talking with Aaron about this last night. That I, I there was a time where I actually, I, where I was someone who misused the term rape. Uh, not, not, uh, like, in the sense, like, oh, so-and-so raped my ears, something like that, or whatever. Like, I would say that, and I, it took, I, I had to be checked. And at first, I, I thought it was so ridiculous, like, do you think that I'm, I'm, I'm downplaying what you're saying? No, I'm not doing that. This is a completely different situation. And I got really, really defensive. Right. And then, but it took me, like, like, a good, like, week or so, just with my own thoughts, going, crap. What am I, how is it being perceived? How am I saying it? How, sometimes, my, your intent does not matter, and perception and how it it works because you're like oh my intent is good eh, you you think that so you mean we actually have to think beyond what our intent may be and think two or three steps ahead and think about how what we said or did can be perceived yeah it's weird it's weird when you have to acknowledge those things but not only that but then people have to People have to, like, even if you're checking someone and acknowledging that, right? So right. you say something, you say, um, right. So I think we had, like, it's, it's not a big issue, right? But we had, you and I had an issue where you asked me about getting you coffee once. And I was right. like, really, sir? I was like, am I going to become the, co-? you know, and you were like, shut up. It's just going to get, co-, you know, it's just going to get coffee and you, you know, th- thing like that. But it's just sort of thinking just ahead. It's just like, okay, am I now going to become, I'm thinking, am I going to become the person that's bringing, you know, coffee, <laughs> you know, for everybody in sort of what that implication is and thinking two or three steps, you know, thinking two or three steps ahead. Um, and that's just a minor, you know, thing right. that's not even, you know, it wasn't a big issue or anything, but I'm just saying that people have to Think beyond that, and then we also have to allow people the space to think beyond that. Yes, and you also there, there's a, a special place that people I think really don't understand, uh, where you kind of like let people sit with their thoughts. You kind of like give them the information, and say, "Okay, cool. Why don't you? Why don't we reexamine this and have this discussion at a different time?" We we lack that ability. Like we decide if you do not agree with me at this very moment, you are uh, an enemy you are to dead everything. To me. You are an enemy to everybody, and it becomes problematic. And 
it's something like, and I, I believe in, in the end, if you ever, anyone ever wants to know why we are so pro nuance on this show, it's because I feel like I've, I've sat down and I've, I've listened to things and I've watched my own thoughts change upon, upon more knowledge, upon rethinking things. And I'm like, well, that means that we, there, there's levels to all of these things that we have to sit down and have a discussion about. And a lot of times people lack that ability. And I'm hoping that like with, with what we do here, that one right. of the big things here is that we want to spur, spurn on, conversation stop for a moment right think about it and it allows and and i think it's really important to talk about allowing people that space to grow because we're such so judgmental you know in terms of you know we want to be quick to label something as racist we want to be quick to label something as sexist we want to be quick you know and sort of not stopping to think it's just like maybe you know there's something sometimes you can deliberately point out okay yes you are racist (laughs) you know you're Mm -hmm. being deliberate and you know and you and malicious and or even if you're not being deliberate like that is, you know, the, and then there are other things where you have to challenge people mm-hmm. and allow them to change or come to that, un- come to that understanding. Now it works both ways because the person has to be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And as you met, as you mentioned, just like you may have been challenged to, um, buy it directly and it may take you a minute to really sit with your thoughts and just like hmm and that's what bothers me about in politics about people being accused of being flip floppers and things like that because it doesn't allow people this it doesn't allow leaders the opportunity to grow and to change their mind yep. and I think that is that is a big part of leadership it's something that you thought that you were supposed to follow or you're supposed to do I, I know that in my own life that you know there were certain things there was a way I was supposed to be or, or things that I was supposed to do and I was like yeah it doesn't it doesn't really work right you know right now where it doesn't apply where the nuance doesn't allow for me to be hard and fast on this rule nope. you know and so we as a society don't allow people to evolve which is why we are evolving stupid. the hell is that evolving with you and your evolving Eljoy. that's just ridiculous ma'am it's not ridiculous it's something that really people should work on Thanks for listening, everyone. So, uh, okay, no kidding this time. This is actually the end of the show. I'm just going to wrap up with some comments. And, and so to continue on, uh, to discuss you know, the, that, that clip, I, I want to start out by saying that clearly being born into privilege makes life a whole lot easier. It really does. Uh, but, but growing up with privilege doesn't make one a stronger or smarter or more capable uh, person, you know, a, a, a person more capable of understanding the world around them. Uh, I, I feel like growing up with privilege is like being advanced through all the grades of, you know, your elementary school without having to actually do the work. So life is easier, you know, you, you get ahead, you, you keep up with, with everyone else, but you end up lacking the actual foundation of real knowledge that you would have gained if you had actually been made to do the work. And so, uh, you know, just to be clear, obviously, people with uh, privilege, you know, born into and, and gr- who grow up with privilege, have the personal responsibility. You would hope that they would try to understand their own privilege and and understand the the impact it has on the world and and others. But the flip side of that is that when oppressed groups, so you know, any minorities or women or the LGBT and, and you know all of that, um, when they are speaking. 
to these privileged groups, I believe that those privileged people actually need to be effectively uh, spoken to like toddlers. So remember that you know if you're speaking to a straight white male or any permutation of any privileged person, that you're likely teaching them brand new concepts that they do not have the perspective and life experience to understand right away. So, so like with my recent experience with the, the feminist show and blacking it up as, as hopefully a teachable anecdote, I believe that criticizing and mocking people who don't understand fully their own privilege makes it much less likely that you can convince them of your perspective and, and then you actually run the risk of chasing them away, you know, actually, actually hurting your chances of, uh, of convincing them. While in contrast, as, as evidenced by, by blacking it up, in my opinion, if you are welcomed, uh, you know, as, as an oppressed group speaking to uh, privileged people, if you welcome them, you recognize their ignorance, but you don't condemn them for it, and then you're actually willing to take the time and, and uh, you know, thoughtfully teach them about your perspective, then your rate of, of, of success will be much, much higher. So basically, to, like, to wrap it up, uh, those people who are uh, privileged the most in the world, so you know, in, at least in America, straight white males privileged the most in the entire country. Those are the same people who are actually the least capable of understanding properly the world around them. And so, in order to help them understand, they basically need to be treated like children and coddled, because reshaping their entire worldview can be nothing less than traumatic. It really can. So is that completely and utterly unfair? Is it ridiculous to put the onus of uh, you know teaching incredibly privileged people about the plight of the oppressed? Is it is it wrong to put the onus of explaining all of that on those people who are already oppressed? Yes, it's terrible. It's incredibly unfair. It's ridiculous that that's how uh, I'm suggesting that the world works. But I do believe that, that is how the world works. I believe that when uh, any group of, of any type, whether it be you know a, a, an oppressed minority or as the, an example I gave before of a, you know a climate change nonprofit uh, you know campaigner, when you're trying to get your point across and and speak to people who don't already understand your perspective, it is your job to understand the people you are talking to and speak to them in a way that they will be receptive to. And so as evidenced by me listening to the feminists, I was very open to what they had to say. And yet they still horribly alienated me, made me frustrated, made me feel under attack and, and made me not want to listen to them. Whereas in reverse, when welcomed and, you know, spoken to not condescendingly, uh, you know, slowly and thoughtfully, taken through the you know the process of learning the perspective of of another group of people who I, I can't possibly understand their perspective fully but I want to try when that is the case I I am more than enthusiastic as I said with blacking it up has become one of my favorite shows to listen to now so I hope that maybe this has been somewhat informative and instructive um, maybe I'm right and maybe I'm wrong I don't know but but my my instinct on it and, and applications for the real world are, you know, when you are speaking to people who do not already agree with you, who do not share your your perspective because they've grown up in a different way, they have a different set of privilege than, than you do, and, and, and they, they do not understand where you're coming from, I believe it is imperative 
to, as I said, treat them like a child and don't, you know, scold an eight-year-old for not instantly understanding uh, multiplication. You know, they have to be taught the fundamentals first and and totally reshape the way they they understand the world around them, so that they can then go on to understand the nuances and the impacts and so on. So that's it for today. I'm pretty happy with the show, and and these are things I've been thinking about uh, for a few weeks now. And uh, very nicely, I have uh, good news to go along with this episode. My uh, my fundraising drive is over. I um you know I, I was within a couple hundred dollars of, of my goal. I'm raising uh, I raised twenty four hundred dollars for uh, for climate change, and uh, you know I was at maybe like ninety three ninety four percent of my goal, and uh, got a couple of donations. Like all right, you know let's let's check it out. I wonder I wonder what I'm at now. And it jumped uh, straight to 103% of my goal. I was like, man, how did that happen? And, uh, and of course, I, I should not have been surprised. My very own mother chimed in at, at the last minute with a very generous $200 donation, which, uh, which put us over the top. Uh, so thank you, Mom. And, uh, and then also Kurt uh, chimed in. Even later than that, even we were past the goal, but he chimed in with uh, with 50 bucks of his own. Anyways, uh, so to my mother and Kurt and all of the other uh, people who I believe I've thanked every single one of you on, on past shows, uh, thanks to everyone who's uh, chimed in. And you will probably not hear me talk again about this ride until the middle of May when I actually go and do it, and then you'll hear all about it. So that's it for today. If you'd like to support the show itself, you can become a member or uh, make a one-time donation. That is how this show survives you can help spread the word of the show by uh, sharing individual clips that you particularly like uh, with your uh, you know, social networks that can all be done through the website or simply tell everyone you know about it in person. You can join up with the show and stay tuned in between episodes on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor